podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is Monday the 26th of July. We're brought to you as always by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network. Allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix. Also keeps your data safe. LibertyShield.com, EPLVPN. That's the code to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Right, folks, I hope you all had a very nice weekend in the melting heat. It's a little bit cooler today, which is nice, so it's not quite the furnace it has been previously in this room. Um, A lot of football played over the weekend. Obviously, pre-season friendlies, nobody cares about them. They're a terrible standard. The star players, for the most part, aren't playing. The ones who are play 45 minutes and go off. The games are disjointed. The players aren't trying to win. It's all about fitness. There's no real reason to watch them. What there is a reason to watch is the Olympics. There's loads of good football being played at the Olympics. And so far, we're through two group stage rounds. So in Group A, Mexico walloped France 4-1 in the first game. Japan beat South Africa 1-0. Young Kubo, the starlet Real Madrid-owned, spent last season on loan at Villarreal. And I think Hatafe the second half of the season, he got, he got the goal in that game. France bounced back in their second game, beat South Africa 4-3. Uh, Gignac scored three in that game. He'd scored France's only, game in the Mexico, only goal in the Mexico game. So he's got four in the competition now. Japan beat Mexico 2-1. Kubo with the first, Duan with the second. Um, this was a good game of football. Kubo looks really, really exciting. He's an immense dribbler of the ball. Gets a little bit, you know, too into his own thing at times, but he is a very, very promising player. So in Group A, we've got Japan top of the group, six points. Mexico and France on three each. Mexico with the superior goal difference, having walloped France. And then South Africa, bottom of the group. The last games will be France-Japan, South Africa-Mexico. I'm expecting that Mexico and Japan go through. Um, Mexico should beat South Africa fairly comfortably, and any result um, for Japan that's not a a hammering will put them through. Uh, France really need either South Africa to get a result and them to get the the win or the draw, or they need a, a miracle. So we're looking at Japan top, Mexico second, in my view. In Group B... New Zealand beats South Korea 1-0. Chris Wood of Burnley with the goal. Chris Wood doing Chris Wood things, of course. Romania beat Honduras 1-0. In the second round, though, Honduras beat New Zealand 3-2. And then South Korea walloped Romania 4-0. This group makes no sense. All the teams are on three points. 
Two of them have zero goal difference. One has plus three, that's South Korea, who are top. One has minus three, that's Romania, who are bottom. In the final group games, it'll be Romania against New Zealand. It'll be South Korea against Honduras. I expect South Korea to win. If New Zealand get a draw, it'll put them through. That's what I'm expecting to happen. South Korea and New Zealand to advance. Chris Wood, two goals already, proving his value to the tournament, to, to his team. It's great to see. It really is great to see New Zealand doing well because, obviously, football is probably the fourth sport in New Zealand. I think you'd, you'd absolutely, obviously rugby is number one. I think rugby league is probably number two. And basketball is probably number three. So, you know, actually, I've forgotten cricket. So football is number f- is number five. Football is number five. Cricket's probably third after the two rugby sports. Union by a mile, then league, then probably cricket, and then basketball, and then football. So, you know, for the men of New Zealand, it's great to see them doing well. Group C is the big one. Group C contains two of what I believe to be the the three best squads at the tournament. Egypt drew nil-nil with Spain, and Australia shocked Argentina in the first round. A 2-0 win for the Aussies. Argentina looked awful. But in the second round, Argentina beat Egypt 1-0. Spain, with a Yarzabel scoring the winner, beat Australia 1-0. It was a decent enough game. Spain have been a little bit disappointing. Um, They've been quite disappointing, in truth. I was really hoping we'd see them come out and attack and use the talent that they have, but it, it just hasn't clicked yet for them. In the last games, we've got Australia-Egypt and Spain-Argentina. Now, unfortunately, this likely means that one of Spain or Argentina is going to go out because you'd expect Australia to beat Egypt. The only way for Argentina and Spain to both get through is Egypt to beat Australia 1-0 and then a draw or an Argentine victory. No, it, it has to be a draw. It has to be a draw. And that doesn't even work. Uh, the maths is mental. I think one of Argentina or Spain is going home. That's a shame. Um, Group D, Ivory Coast beat Saudi Arabia 2-1. Frank Kessie with the winner. Kessie's looked really good in this tournament. Um, He's continually spoken about his love for AC Milan. So if journalists could please stop linking him to all of their clubs, that would be tremendous. Uh, Brazil hammered Germany. 4-2 doesn't reflect the game. They were 3-0 up. They should have been 5-0 up. Germany were all over the place. They came back. Richarlison had scored the first three. Um, he he has looked really impressive. And then Amiri, Nadim Amiri of Bayer Leverkusen scored to make it 3-1. Then Ragnar Asche of Eintracht Frankfurt scored to make it 3-2. But then Paulinha made it 4-2 in injury time. 4-2 doesn't reflect. It really doesn't reflect. 6-2 would have been fairer. Brazil were brilliant for probably 55 minutes. I thought Brazil were brilliant. Best performance I've seen by anybody was that first 55 minutes. Now, I haven't seen all the games, obviously, but they were just tremendous in that in that period. Um, in the second round of games, Brazil and Ivory Coast drew 0-0, and Germany beat 
Saudi Arabia 3-2. Again, Amiri Anachi scored. And Adekai, the defender from Augsburg, he got the third, the winner, to put them in a decent position where they have now an opportunity to get through. Brazil will play Saudi Arabia. You'd expect Brazil to win that game comfortably and advance. But the big game is Germany-Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast are one point ahead of Germany. They have a superior goal difference. So a draw will put them through. But Germany can get through with a win. And that's what Germany have to focus on. Winning you through. Now, Ivory Coast have been very, very impressive. And they have a strong squad. It must be said, they do have a strong squad at this tournament. Frank Kessie is, I would say, the best player that they have. But Ahmed Diallo's quality. Christian Kwame's quality. Max Gradle's a decent player. Uh, Czech Tamite looks very, very impressive. Eric Bailly. It's... It's a strong team. And it's a team that plays for each other. Kessie is the star. Diallo's the biggest talent. But neither of them seems to pull rank over the rest of the team. They all seem very, very committed to the success of Ivory Coast. And that's what's important in, in tournament football. So the Olympics are worth your while. They really are. Um, I've watched four games so far. Four, four games and some highlights. Three of the games I watched were were entertaining. They were entertaining games. Um, but, you know, it's better than preseason. Trust me on this. It is better than watching preseason. Preseason is so boring. It's so boring. And when we get to the knockout stages, I think it's going to be fun. You'll get the winner of Group A likely Japan against the runner-up in Group B, could be New Zealand, and then South Korea would would play Mexico. You'll get potentially Spain against Ivory Coast and Brazil against Argentina, or Brazil against Australia. That'll be fun. I think the winner comes from this bottom half of the group, or this bottom half, Group C or D. But I wouldn't rule anything out. Japan look good going forward. A little bit shaky at the back, but they look good going forward. South Korea look hit and miss, but when it clicks for them, as it did against Romania, they were really, really impressive. And Lee Kang-ing of Valencia is a potential star in the making. Um, him and Kubo, if you're wondering who the next kind of big Asian stars are going to be, it's Lee Kanging of South Korea and Kubo, uh, Takafusu Kubo of um, Japan. They are immensely gifted footballers, both only 20 years of age. So, so talented. Don't, neither of them turn 21 till next year either. I'd quite like to see them play on the same team. They could play on opposite wings. Um, it'd be a lot of fun to watch. Anyway, we'll move on. Um, not in Premier League, but Swansea City's managerial situation is obviously not ideal. Steve Cooper has stepped down. Now, credit to him. He asked to leave two weeks ago. The club agreed to it. He stayed on to help them through pre-season, um, which is, you know, a very good move by him. He says he's taking a break from football. 
which is a little bit unexpected. Now, he had been linked to a bunch of Premier League jobs in the summer. And whether or not he feels like that the buyout, con- buyout clause in his Swansea contract cost him one of those moves, I don't know. But he did a really good job there on a fairly minimal budget, bringing in a lot of loan players and forming teams of players that hadn't played together before. I think Cooper will be a Premier League manager within the next 12 months. I think if... Let's just say Vieira doesn't work at Palace. I think they'll immediately turn to Cooper. If Newcastle decide to move off Steve Bruce, I think they could turn to Cooper. I think he's a really, really talented coach. He may be a better coach than Graham Potter, who, as as regular listeners will know, I'm a big fan of. And is the man he succeeded there at Swansea. I think he's done a better job at Swansea. And I think there's a little bit more to him. A little bit more about him. I think he's a little bit more flexible tactically. And maybe a little bit better at player development than Graham Potter. Uh, Swansea had tried to appoint John Eustace, the current assistant manager at QPR. He's Mark Mark Warburton's lead assistant. Um, It looks like Eustace has turned the job down. Mike McGrath of The Telegraph says he has turned it down reluctantly. Now, I'm not sure what that means, like why he was reluctant to turn it down, why he would turn it down in the first place. Maybe he has something in line with QPR. I don't know. Maybe his family don't want to make the move to South Wales. Eustace is a very promising coach, very, very highly regarded. So it's a shame for him. I don't know if this is linked. But John Terry has left Aston Villa to pursue his objective of becoming a manager. That news is broken this morning. I wonder if potentially John Terry could be the man who goes to Swansea City. He wouldn't be a traditional, a typical Swansea appointment. But he is a big name and maybe he's got some sway with Chelsea and a few other clubs where he can bring in players on loan. He was obviously linked with Bournemouth and Celtic uh, in the early part of the summer. And then his name sort of disappeared from both conversations. Um, Dean Smith has spoken very highly of me, said he's no doubts he'll go on to be a first class manager. I I would have doubts, but... um, Look, it's interesting to see Terry move on this quickly. I I thought he would stay at least another year. Swansea would be a great job for him to get. If if John Terry could get the Swansea job, it's a really good starting point. And if he does badly, they won't hang on to him. They're quite ruthless. They're not really willing to risk dropping down a further division. They don't want to go to League One for sure. Um, So if there's any hint that things are going badly under him, I think he could find his way at the door. But if he goes there and does well, it has proved in the past to be a really good club to springboard yourself onto potentially a bigger job. So whether the two things are linked or not, I don't know. But the timing of it is a little bit curious. Eustace turns the job down yesterday. Terry resigns this morning. Um, So we, we just wait and see on that one. Um, transfer news Crystal Palace 
looks set to complete the signing of Joachim Anderson from Lyon, a rumoured fee in the region of about £20 million. He had a really good season on loan with Fulham last year. So hopefully, hopefully he brings that same level of form into this season. I very much like the player. And I think I think Spurs would have been well solved to go and get him. Now he doesn't if they're going for the likes of Romero, they're obviously looking to shop at a slightly higher table, but I, I think Anderson's a very good defender. Um I like the idea of the partnership of him and Mark Guehi. They're rumoured to still be in for Ozan Kabak, so looking to bring in three senior centre backs potentially, um, to keep with you know, James Tompkins is still there from last season, but Cahill left. I think Dan left, Sacco left. So they did have areas to fill. Anderson's an experienced organiser. Guehi and Quebec are very young but hugely talented. Whether Vieira would play a back three and play them all, I don't know. But I think it makes sense for them. Even just to snap these players up with the intention of selling them in the year in, in a year for profit, if they do well, is clever. Palace needed to get a lot younger. They needed to regenerate their squad. They needed to refresh their approach to signing players. Like the profile of players that they're signing this summer is vastly different to the profile of players they would have traditionally signed under Hodgson. You see Elise arrive. You see Guehi Anderson now, potentially Quebec. They've been linked with Connor Gallagher. I think that one's likely alone, but he's also got interest from Leeds. Morgan Rogers of Man City has been linked. Adamola Luckman has been linked. It wouldn't be the worst thing to sign a few of the players that Fulham had on loan last season. Like, if Ola Aina is available, and he probably is because he wants to move back to England, why not go for him? Six, seven million. Plays both sides. Better right now than either of the fullbacks that look likely to be your starters. Nathan Ferguson, very promising but very young and coming off 18 months out with a knee injury. And Tyreek Mitchell, again, very promising but very young. Aina's homegrown, he's 24. Could make sense to bring someone like him in as well. Fulham signed a lot of good players last year. They just kept a substandard manager who brought them down. A proper manager keeps them up in mid-table. I like what Palace are doing this summer. I think it's clever. I think it's ambitious and aggressive. Not many clubs have made a whole bunch of moves so far, but they are in the mix for quite a few players. They've cast their net very wide. But they know what they want and they know how they're going to get it. It's good to see them have the ambition of the owners behind them as well, funding this. Because with Anderson, Guehi and Alisa, you're talking over 45 million already. And more still to go. Now, they may well be, you know, preparing for the departure of, of Wilf Zaha. But it's been a couple of years since those owners invested in the team properly invested i know they brought in ezzy last summer but the previous summer they didn't spend a whole bunch they've never really gone big in a january in the last couple of years 
the money may just well be sitting there. They may have just been waiting to ride out the pandemic. But I like what Palace are doing. I really do. I'm not sure about Vieira. I think there's major question marks to be answered over him. But I, I think so far you have to say they're having one of the better transfer windows. Also having a good transfer window is Spurs. Not only have they got the uh, Brian Gill deal done, it looks like Galini's arriving on loan. Again, I'm not a huge fan, but he solves a problem for them. Um, Christian Romero's deal apparently looks like it could be on track. They've got the new deal done for Young Min Son. They're still in for Tamiyasu, the, the centre-back. Now, he's off at the Olympics, so that one may be just on the back burner until he gets back. But it looks like they've managed to take $13 million from a team from Qatar for Toby Alderweireld. That's a lot of money for a player who is well past his best and is injury prone. So credit to Spurs. I think they're making the right kind of moves. They fill, they're filling the needs. They needed a manager. It took them a while. They eventually got him. Not the one they wanted, but a good manager, a guy who's proven in the Premier League. They needed a director of football. It wouldn't have been my choice, but look, he's well-connected at the very least, and he fills the role. They needed a new goalkeeper, be that a backup or someone to replace Lloris long-term. They've gotten a goalkeeper in. We'll see how he develops. He's still quite young for a goalkeeper. That's the the big thing you know, in his favour. He's only 26, 27, so he's still got a couple of years of development left in him. They needed a top-class centre-back. If they get Romero, that will solve that. They needed a right-back. Tamiyasu will solve that problem. Now, he can also play in the back three if Nuno goes that direction. They've been linked with um, Coletta Carr from Marseille. If they're playing a back four, then him and Romero as a, as a pair is interesting with Tamiyasu as the... Tamiyasu is the right back and Regulon is the left back. That as a flat four is very, very interesting. I like what Spurs are doing. I think, like Palace, you have to give them credit for the summer that they're having so far. You really have to give them credit for the summer they're having so far. Uh, David Ornstein is reporting this morning that Manchester United are growing increasingly confident of signing Raphael Varane. Um, talks with his representatives are at an advanced stage and club's contact is uh, intensifying. United are pushing for a fee below €50 million. Euro. Real have kind of set their, their stall out that they want €50 million and that's it. Um, he won't be signing a deal at Real Madrid. Now, I do wonder if maybe this started out where Varane and his people were trying to use United to get a bigger contract out of Real. We've seen it happen before. And maybe Real have called his bluff. He'd be a good signing for United. There's no reason to pretend otherwise. Is he a great signing? No. Is he still a world-class defender? No. He's still a very good defender. Fundamentally, he's quite good. He reads the game well. But he doesn't have the elite-level pace he used to have. His positioning can be often a little bit suspect. He needs someone beside him who'll talk him into position. And that's fine because United have Maguire, who's a good talker. 
the problem with it is is that you United are forced to play a deeper line than they want to because of Maguire. Now, Varane of 2014 to say 2018-19 would have allowed you to play that higher line because he had an incredible recovery pace. He doesn't have that anymore. He can't if it's there, he can't use it because he'll break down and get injured. There's been no sign of it the last couple of seasons, and we've seen Real Madrid's defensive line drop considerably deeper than it was when they were winning three Champions Leagues in a row. That's in part due to Ramos aging and in part due to Varane not having the recovery pace that he used to have anymore. But he's still a good signing. Stylistically, he does fit next to Maguire. His strengths should cover Maguire's weaknesses and vice versa. But it doesn't help them when they don't have a good defensive midfielder. It doesn't help them close the gap and compress that space. Not to the level that they need to do it. Now, there's been a lot of talk that Oli could play 4-3-3 this season uh, rather than the 4-2-3-1. Because the issue with 4-2-3-1 is that McTominay naturally just wants to get forward a bit, you know, a fair bit. He wants to go box to box. Fred fills the gaps, but he's not a defensive midfielder. He's not really a ball winner. He's 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 basically a poor man's Ginny Wijnaldum. If you have a more attack-minded midfielder, say a Bruno Fernandes, and a proper defensive midfielder, let's say Wilf and Didi, Fred fills in the gaps in the same way he does between say say that Ginny Wijnaldum does between Fabinho and whoever it is, be it Henderson, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Keita, Thiago, whoever plays that other role. Ginny filled in the gaps. That's what Fred can do for you, but he needs to be in a three to do it. Now, Bruno can play as an eight, and he's absolutely excellent as an eight. So you could play him as an eight. You could play Fred as an eight, right and left. But you still need that holding midfielder. They do own Nemanja Matic, but... I mean, he's he's well past his best and he can't really run anymore. If they could get that holding midfielder in, then the issue of the deeper defensive line isn't a huge problem. But when you're playing a double pivot of McTominay and Fred, it is a problem. Because neither of them are positionally disciplined enough to hold that midfield together. And you're going to end up with a big gap between your midfield and your defence that other teams are going to cause chaos in. Uh, I've just noticed that Ramsdale is is trending on Twitter. Have Arsenal done something silly? Uh, no, they're expected to make another approach for him. James Shield of the, um, I think it's the Yorkshire Star, the Sheffield Star? Sheffield Star, I think. Um, he's reporting... Oh dear. He's reporting that Sheffield United won 40 million. Um, I think that's fanciful. That's over double what they paid for a guy who was the worst goalkeeper in the league last year and was the worst goalkeeper in the league the year before. If Arsenal pay 40 million, that would just be ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. Madison is also trending. There was some speculation that James Madison has asked to leave Leicester. I don't 
believe that to be true. But Arsenal, we know, hold a strong interest. I don't know that they have the money to do it with everything else they want to do. Um, Chris Wheatley is, is reporting that the Ben White deal should be announced in the next few days. That's fifty million if they spend thirty-five or whatever on Ramsdale, um, and they spend fifteen or seventeen on Lakonga. That's already a hundred million for a team with no European football. It's hard to see where they're going to find much more than that, and they still need to sort out right back and centre midfield to bring in a ten on top of that. I know they've got some sales to make, but. I don't think there's that much in sales to be to be brought in. Maybe, maybe, like Lacazette could go. We know Jack is going. Um, maybe Maitland Niles goes. Maybe Willock goes. I mean, you can maybe get forty million between those two. Thirty for Lacazette, perhaps. Um, Leno, I suppose, would go if if Ramsdale arrived. But what do you get for Leno? 15, 20. He's a much better keeper than Ramsdale, admittedly. He's not great, but he's a lot better than Ramsdale. But he's only going to go to one place. That's the Bundesliga. And he's not going to Bayern. So none of the other clubs in the Bundesliga are going to pay ridiculous money for a goalkeeper. Um, it's hard to know what Arsenal are, are, are doing, how, how deep they can go with this, how much can they get done. But what I will say is that I would not be overly impressed with their business so far. Um, I think it's a, I think White is a huge overpay for a guy who's not a particularly good defender. And Ramsdale, I mean, like I say, he's been the worst keeper in the league the last two years. There's no other way to look at it. He has been the worst goalkeeper in the league the last two years. There is talent there, but he's so error prone. And he just struggles so often with the basics. Like his footwork is really, really poor. Moving on, Jordan Shakiri has informed Liverpool that he would like to leave. Um, he's given an interview where he said that he has told the Liverpool board he is ready for a new challenge. Uh, they've accepted his decision, will now consider bids for him. He says, who is not in love with the Italian lifestyle? What is really striking is the Italian love for football and his life in Italy. The fans are incredible. I've been following Lazio for a, top, for a long time. It's a top club. Lazio, Napoli, and one or two others have been linked with Shakiri. Lazio does seem to be the most likely destination. Now, he's going into what's meant to be the final year of his contract, but Liverpool do have an option to trigger an extension, which would keep him at the club till 2023, which is why Liverpool want to get 12 million plus. Maybe there's some sort of swap deal that Liverpool can do there. There's a couple of players at Lazio that I think will be very good for Liverpool. Maybe Liverpool would offer Shakiri in cash for Milinkovic-Savic. Um, Liverpool also, remember, have quite a big sell-on clause in the Luis Alberto deal when he went from Liverpool to Lazio. So maybe they could waive that as part of a deal for Sergei and bring that price down. Take that out give them Shakiri, and maybe it's not a huge cash sum that will be required to get Milinkovic-Savage to Liverpool. Um, Liverpool have so far raised over 30 million. I believe it's about 33.5 million. Grabera's gone. 
Miller's gone. Grujic is gone. Wilson is gone. Awani is gone. Shakiri is going. That's pretty clear to see. And it does look like Nat Phillips could be next out the door as well. Nico Williams also looks likely to leave. I think they would very much like Divock Origi to leave, but you know he's already turned down a couple of potential moves. Um, I, I think they just have to loan him and just get rid of him. Taki Minamino will leave, I think, if a good bid comes in, but otherwise they'll probably just hang on to him. Sheojo will leave. Karius will leave. You would hope Ben Woodburn will finally leave. Liverpool are going to be well trimmed down for next season. And it's a lot of players that contributed nothing that Jurgen Klopp never looked at. But it's also a lot of money off the wage bill, and that's an important thing for Liverpool. Um, yeah, like the, the other bit on the Atlantic then is about United. Um Arsenal Academy has been bolstered with the signing of highly rated young striker Mika Barrett, previously of Fulham. Mm, that's a shame for Fulham. Fulham have had a number of immense young talents come through their academy and then leave before signing professional contracts. That's him, Harvey Elliott, and a couple of others. They also brought through Patrick Roberts and Ryan Sessegnon, very, very talented players. Guys informing me that Brian Gill to Tottenham has been confirmed. I think it's a really good signing for Tottenham. It's a bit of a gamble. Like 25 million plus Eric Lamella is is a big, big investment in a young player. But he is a very, very talented young player. He is somebody that I think can become a big part of the Spurs team. If Spurs play a front three, which is what I expect them to do, I'd imagine it starts off Bergvine, Kane, Son, but potentially then Gill replaces Bergvine um, in a year, maybe two years. Looks like Ryan Sessegnon will be back at Spurs this year as well, which is very important. So they keep him and Regulon. They still have Ben Davies who can play left back or centrally. Al Duhal is the name of the club who have given them 13 million or are in the process of giving them 13 million for Alderweireld. Um, they've also gotten 13 million in for Juan Voigt who left last summer to join Villarreal on a loan with an option to buy. Villarreal have taken up that option. Cameron Carter-Vickers is on his way out of the club. Uh, they're open to offers for Davinson Sanchez and Eric Dyer, which is, you know, it's impressive. Finally get Eric Dyer out the door. Should have taken the £40 million from Mourinho um, a few months back. They still have Joe Roden. They still have Jaffa Tanganga. Both very good, very young. They still... They still have interest... In Jules Kunde. Alistair Gold is re- reporting that they still have interest in Jules Kunde. That after Romero, they want to bring in another centre-back. Name's been considered. Maxis Lacroix, he is potentially for sale. 
Jokey Manderson they're going to miss on. Skriniar, I, I don't think Inter will sell him. Nikola Milenkovic, he's only got a year left on his contract to Fiorentina, so he could be one they could get. But that Jules Kunde's name is top of that list. If if they added Kunde and Romero in the same window, that would be unbelievable. If they're back for next season, was Tamiyasu at right back, regular at left back, Kunde and Romero in the middle. It would take some time for them to get to know each other and build relationships, but the potential in that back line would be incredible. Now, the only potential flaw in it is the lack of height. Kunde's only about 5'10", 5'11". He's great in the air, but he isn't the biggest centre-back. Romero's not huge either. Now, obviously, Nuno's played a back three for most of his time, especially with, with Wolves, but we saw a back four a lot last season, and it's been a back four in, the, well, it was in the preseason game I watched. Um, whether or not he stays with that, I don't know, but certainly seems like Spurs are properly setting out their stall. Now, are they selling, are they spending the cane money? Is this what this is? Have they got something agreed behind the scenes with City? That's all gone very quiet. Maybe they have a deal in place. If so, this is the right way to spend that money, though. This is the right way to spend that money. Go and build yourself an absolutely top-class defence. Then sort your midfield. And worry about it up front later. Because you've still got Son. You've brought in Gill. You've still got Deli Ali, who can be... 15 goals a season if you use them properly. Spurs don't really need to worry too much about replacing Kane because they're not going to win the league next year or the year after. So they don't need to replace Kane straight away. With Son up front and Ali behind him, say Gill on one wing, Bergvine on the other, they'll still finish top six, or they should anyway, uh, under a real manager. Not like what they had last season where I think they would have probably got top six in the end under Jose. But Ryan Mason wasn't a real manager. He had no business in the job. Um, I've gone back to Spurs again, but I, I do really like what I'm seeing from them this summer. Really don't like what I'm seeing from Arsenal. I think it's all a bit of a mess. Um, Manchester United have signed Oli Gunnar Solskjaer to a, a, a new contract. Um, it's a two-year deal with an option. Sorry, it's a two-year add-on. He had one year left in his current contract, which was set to run out in 2022. He's now signed till 2024 with an option for 2025. Uh, he is said to be delighted with the new contract. Look, he got second last season, um, lost Europa League final. He's previously gotten to a number of cup semifinals. He finished third the year before. So, I don't think he's a particularly good manager, but I can see why they would reward him. He has done well, relatively speaking. Now, I think there's going to be a lot more pressure on him next season because they've just signed Sancho, obviously, and they look like they could get Varane. So if they get those two, that's going to be, what, 125 million-ish, plus any plus whatever add-ons are in those deals. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of backing. He already had huge backing, remember, when they signed Maguire, Wan-Bissaka. So, 
you know, they haven't been shy about giving them money to spend. So we have to wait and see now whether or not he he fully justifies it. Um, but this is a it's a good sign that they're backing him and giving him the new contract. Whether it's the right move or not, I don't know. Um, as a, as a non United fan, I'm quite relieved because it means they won't get um, Antonio Conte anytime soon. But um, look, you can't argue that Ollie has earned the contract. What's this now? Okay. Uh, the BBC have a little quiz here that we'll do while we're on. Uh, can you name the 10 most expensive transfers in Premier League history? Oh, it gives you clues. Okay, well, the first one is left Juventus before returning to his current club, Man United. That's Paul Pogba. Uh, Harry Maguire. Virgil van Dijk. This attacker racked up 50 goals and 57 assists for his former club. That is Jaden Sancho. This attacker finished second to Kylian Mbappe before earning a £72 million move to Arsenal. That's Nicolas Pepe. <laughs> Kepa. Um, this Chelsea attacker scored the goals Kai Havertz. Man City defender has to be Ruben, Nav- Ruben Diaz. This The manager of this 62.8 million midfielder once referred to his hairstyle as evidence of his playing qualities. Angel Di Maria. It's not Angel Di Maria. Oh, it's Kevin De Bruyne. It's not Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne and Angel Di Maria are definitely two of the top ten most expensive transfers in Premier League history. So something has gone wrong here. Um, this 60 million winger won PFA Player of the Year when his former club won the Premier League. That is Riyad Mahrez. Hmm. Sixty-two point eight million midfielder. I've got three minutes left. Sixty-two point eight million midfielder. His haircut. It's not Fred, guys. It's definitely not Fred. Um, I don't know. I genuinely don't know who that is. Is it Rodri? Can't be Rodri, surely. He didn't cost that much, did he? This is not great radio. It is Rodri, apparently.
Rodri didn't cost more than De Bruyne or Di Maria because United have five of the ten most expensive Premier League players. That's a fact. United have five of the ten most expensive Premier League players. Um, and you know, Di Maria was a flop. Pogba's been a flop. Maguire hasn't been a flop, but I don't think you can call him a success yet. Hmm. Bizarre. Rodri's definitely not belonging on that list. And I and listen, I don't believe Riyad Mahrez is either. I think Di Maria is absolutely more expensive than than Diaz, than Rodri, and than. Um, I'm pretty sure De Bruyne was 64.6 or something when he signed. It was crazy money that they spent for him. Um, So I have it right. Uh, Right, we'll leave that alone. Okay. um, Cool story here, actually, from, from, well, from Poland. Lucas Podolski has signed for a club called Gornik Zabrezy. I think that's how you pronounce it. I could be wrong. In the Polish top flight. Um, so Podolski obviously was born in Poland, moved to Germany as a two-year-old, grew up in Germany, would obviously go on to become a great player for the German national team winning the World Cup. Um, but he retains really strong Polish roots, speaks fluent Polish. His wife is Polish. They raised their kids to speak Polish. And a few years ago, a story came out that he'd made a promise to his grandmother that at some point in his career, he would go back to Poland and he would play for this club. His grandmother passed away in 2019. But he has finally made this move. And um, I think it's a very fitting way. He's only 36. I don't know how he's still only 36. But I think this is a very fitting way for him to wrap up his career. Going back to the area that he was born in um he was born very close to to the town and you know finishing his career there he is only 36 that is crazy he left arsenal six years ago and he seemed old then um he's been a quality player he really has been a quality player for cologne for Bayern, for arsenal um for galatasaray Vissel kobe in in japan didn't have a great year last season, but 130 caps, 49 goals for Germany. World Cup winner. Won a Bundesliga, won a Turkish Cup, FA Cup, Emperor's Cup. Loved winning cups. Didn't win a league uh, other than the, the one with Bayern. Everybody wins the league if they sign for Bayern. Yeah. Great to see. I love, I love stories of that. I love seeing players' careers come full circle. I'm going to take a break. Um, when we come back, we will wrap through the gossip and get out of here for today. See you in a few. Right, let's wrap through the gossip then. We've got a few days to catch up on. Uh, Chelsea are poised to submit a £130 million bid for Borussia Dortmund striker Erling Haaland after Roman Abramovich gave his blessing to proceed with what would be a club record deal. That's from Football Insider, so we'll throw it in the bin. Inter Milan are de- demanding at least 102.5 million for Chelsea, 
from Chelsea for Romelu Lukaku if the Blues are unable to sign Haaland. It's from Metro, so we'll throw that in the bin. Manchester City have reached an agreement with Jack Grealish and are ready to offer Aston Villa £90 for the attacker. Again, it's from Football Insider. This guy is just a spoofer. This guy is an incredible spoofer. How he continues to have any credibility is beyond me. Um, Manchester City say reports that they have agreed a £160 million deal for Tottenham. Striker Harry Kane are nonsense. Yeah, you'd imagine so. Spurs maintain they have no intention of selling their captain. And Kane allegedly, according to the Times, is increasingly confident Tottenham are willing to let him move on. There's so much nonsense you wouldn't know what to believe. The Star chime in with City have agreed personal terms with Kane of 350 grand a week and are willing to bid as much as 120 million. Uh, Manchester United anticipate a formal approach from PSG this summer for France midfielder Paul Pogba, but they should sell him. They should absolutely sell him. Uh, France France striker Kylian Mbappe has told PSG he does not intend to sign an extension and wants to leave the club either this summer or next summer. That's some AS, that's a Real Madrid fanzine basically masquerading as a newspaper would ignore most of what they have to say. That's just them trying to ramp up the idea that Real could sign Mbappe this summer. They won't. They'll try and get him on a free next summer. Eduardo Camavinga favours a move to Spain after talks between Manchester United and his representatives were not encouraging. He doesn't want to move to United. He either wants to go to Real or PSG. I think Ren should probably go back to his reps and say, look, he's not going to get his move this summer. How about signs a one-year extension and we'll sell him next summer to Real Madrid. We'll do a deal with Real Madrid for next summer when they'll have a bit of money to spend. He'd be. I'd love to see him stay at Stadran. Um, Barcelona believe if Portugal forward Cristiano Ronaldo leaves Juventus this summer, the Italian club would be willing to take Antoine Griezmann on loan with an option to buy some nonsense. Uh, Barcelona president John Laporte says the club value Antoine Griezmann a lot, but that there's a market for him. No, there's not. There's no market for him because he's 30. You want ludicrous money for him. He's on 600 grand a week. There is no market for him. You are stuck with that player. Deal with it. Manchester United, uh, sorry, Newcastle United boss Steve Bruce has reiterated the club's desire to sign Joe Willock but says the Magpies are waiting for him to make a decision about his future. Stephen Gerrard says he was shocked and surprised that he was linked with the Everton job um, and that such a prospect is never a, was never a possibility. Easy to say after he didn't get the job. Liverpool are looking to tie down Mohamed Salah to a new contract. Everybody knows that. Fulham are close. Uh, Fulham have done that deal. Bayer Leverkusen have rejected a £30 million offer from Aston Villa for Jamaican winger Leon Bailey. Now, I read a report during the weekend that Villa have not yet made an offer, so I don't think it's true that an offer was rejected. Man City's 24-year-old Gabby Jesus tops Juventus's list of summer targets. That just seems to be a lazy rumour that's going round and round. Juve are set to relaunch their efforts to sign... Manuel Locatelli. I think that's where he ends up. I think Juve are ideally pushing for a loan with an obligation to buy so they can push the fee out till next summer because they've got a lot of other things to take care of this summer. Um, 
Paolo Dybala's agent has said to hold talk to you about a new deal. Yeah, they're not going to let him go, especially now that Allegri's back. Allegri loves him, so you know you expect he stays there. Boca Juniors, Boca Juniors, Flamengo, and Club America have all shown interest in Inter Milan midfielder Arturo Vidal, but he wants to play in Europe for one more season before returning to Colo Colo to finish his career. Yeah, but he's not going to get to play that season at Inter because they don't want him in the team. So he'll be sitting way, way down on the bench or in the stands. So they're going to have to find a loan for him. I'm sure there's a club somewhere that would take Vidal on loan. There's got to be a club in Syria or in La Liga, mid-table team that would love to have Arturo Vidal for one more year. He's still a decent player. He's obviously not the player he was, but I mean, he's he's been phenomenal for a long, long time now. He was really good for Leverkusen. He went to Juve a decade ago, was brilliant for them for four years, was good for, uh, for Bayern. Barca didn't really go well, but he still played quite a lot. And I believe he still won a league title. He did. He won a league title there. Um, and obviously was, you know, was part of the Milan squad last season. Not a regular starter, but still 23 appearances in the league. He will go back to South America whenever he wants to go back. Having won four titles with Juve, three with Bayern, one with Barca, and one with Inter. That's on top of the three titles he won with Colo Colo, uh, Colo Colo when he was in Chile originally. He's a phenomenal player. He is one of the great midfielders of the last 20 years. He had a six, seven year run where he was a top five midfielder in the game. Could do everything. Um, did it all with a questionable haircut, but you know, it is what it is. Um, moving on. Juventus have rejected an £86 million bid from Liverpool for Federico Chiesa. Liverpool don't have £86 million to spend on multiple players, let alone on one player. That is trash. Arsenal, Tottenham and Everton are all considering a move for Joaquin Correa, who is expected to leave Lazio this summer. He's a good player. Um, not particularly good fit for Tottenham but could definitely play in, in Arsenal's 4-2-3-1 as a 10 with Saka one side, Smithrow the other, would be an interesting fit at, at Everton as the 10 if Richarlison is on the left and Calvert-Lewin is up front because obviously they're probably not going to have the fellow who played number 10 last season um, for a different reason. Um Manchester United are looking to sell, or may look, sorry, may look to sell Anthony Martial with Tottenham interested in the French forward. I don't know what his value is at the minute. He had a really, really bad season last year. He's had a lot of injuries. I think it's not, it's probably not the summer to sell Martial, especially with, with Pogba going or likely to go as well. And you're going to lose money on him. I think your best bet is keep Martial, try and rebuild him up a bit. Um, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer wants Pogba to stay. Sure he does, but he doesn't have much say in things. Bayern Munich are interested in Chelsea striker Timo Werner uh, with his former manager Julian Nagelsmann now in charge. Again, it's Football Insider, so again, it's probably trash. City are set to almost double 
Ruben Diaz's salary following his impressive debut season for them. Uh, I w- he signed a five-year deal a year ago. It would not make sense to sign him to a new contract now. Let's wait and see how he does this season when everybody's used to him and everybody knows where his strengths and weaknesses are. Antoine Griezmann will be willing to leave this as trash. Um, Juventus president, vice, sorry, Juventus vice president Pavel Nedved says Cristiano will stay with the club. He has one year left in his contract and has been linked with leaving them. Harry Kane is set to miss the start of the Premier League season after his exertions at the European Championship. The Tottenham forward favours a move to City. If he goes to City, he's not missing the start of anything. He's going to want to play from day one. I also don't think he misses the start of the season if he sticks at Spurs. Unless he asks for a few games off. That's basically the only way I see um, that he would miss the start of the season. Arsenal hope to confirm the £50 signing of Ben White after he had his medical this weekend. The Gunners are also exploring the possibility of signing Dennis Zakaria from Borussia, Borussia Mönchengladbach. He's asked to leave Gladbach publicly. He's a very good player. I, him and Partey could be an interesting fit. They do similar things, but maybe you put them together. Zakaria just plays as more of a natural defensive midfielder and curbs the attacking side of his game a little bit. He's a very, very good player. It would be quite an interesting addition for Arsenal. And then you add Lekonga into that mix as well. You've got a very athletic, powerful midfield group. Willock, Maitland, Niles. If if that's their midfield five, that's that would be pretty decent. It really would be pretty decent. Obviously, Willock can also play as a 10 if need be. I think Torreira probably leaves, unfortunately. For whatever reason, it just hasn't worked. Uh, Crystal Palace are closing in on £20 million move for Joachim Anderson and remain in talks over a deal for Ozan Kabak, which went over earlier on. I think both deals that would be really, really good for them. Um, Marco reporting that United are close to agreeing a deal for forty-two million pounds for Varane. Um, that's you know that's a fair price. It probably is a fair price. Uh, meanwhile, United are also preparing to bid for Jules Kunde. No, they're not. They're just not because he cost them too much. They want Varane. They want that experience. They want that. Big name, top class kind of player. That's what they think they're getting. It would have been three years ago. It just isn't anymore. Um, Manchester City hope to make progress. Garbage. Um, Borussia Dortmund appear set to seal a 26 million move for Liverpool target Daniel Mallon. Um, He was never really a target for Liverpool. He was someone that was on a list, but not somebody they were actively uh, pursuing. West... West Ham United could make a move for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain if they were unable to sign Matthias Pereira. Very different types of players. I mean, I'd like to see Ox go somewhere and play regularly. He's not going to get those minutes at Liverpool, and it's it's just unfortunate. He's a very good player. He's just the knee set him back so far, and he hasn't been able to find consistency in his form since. I would quite happily see Ox go to West Ham and, and do well there. Um, but if they get Pereira, Pereira's a really good player. He'd be a very good signing. Newcastle may turn to Ross Barkley if they fail to sign Joe Willock. Yeah, I mean, that's 
that's one that's been around a few days. Barkley's a good player, like I said last week. He had a good loan at Villa for the first half of the season, but when he got injured and came back, it was just a, an absolute mess. Uh, oh, here's here's a good one now. Uh, Mundo Deportivo via 90minute.com. So you know, you know, this is high caliber reporting involved. Uh, Manchester United are considering using Anthony Martial in a swap deal to land Erling Haaland. I mean, just trash. Absolute trash. Brighton are set to make a £20 million offer for Odson Edward of Celtic. Don't think it will take £20 million to get him, but he'd be a great signing for Brighton. He would solve a lot of their problems. United believe they may be able to sign Saul Niguez from La Liga champions Atletico Madrid for about £45 million. No, they can't. Uh, they're not interested in him. United aren't looking at midfielders at the moment. They had a bit of a flirtation with Camavinga, opportunistic, but they're going centre-back, and that's just it. This is a lazy journalist plucking former United interest and trying to throw it out there. It's not true. Uh, Juventus have scheduled new talks with Sassuolo as they step up their pursuit for Manuel Locatelli. Paris Saint-Germain have held talks with Kaladu Koulibaly's agent as they consider a move for the 30-year-old Napoli and Senegal defender. Not true at all. Uh, Carrero Dello Sport is the trash one. It's Della Sport is the good one. Spain midfielder Isco will not be offered a new contract by Real Madrid. Not surprising. Um, he is no longer very good at the football. Uh, very talented player, obviously, but incredibly lazy. Offers nothing off the ball. Leicester midfielder Hamza Chowdhury is pushing for a loan move at Newcastle. I don't know why he'd want to go there. He's not going to get first-team football at Newcastle. They've already got better holding midfielders than him, like Isaac Hayden, John Joe Shelby. That's not a move that makes sense for him. And finally, Chelsea and Scotland midfielder. Oh, crap. <coughs> nonsense. Utter nonsense. Right, folks, the, gar- the the gossip this week was largely garbage over the weekend. That is very disappointing stuff from the BBC and all related outlets. Uh, they should all be ashamed of themselves. Apologies for them. Not apologies for me, though. I'm great. Uh, Mario Lamina, while we've been recording, has completed a move from Southampton to Nice. Nice starting to um, to spend some money this summer. Lots of money behind them. They are owned by um, Jim Ratcliffe, Britain's richest man. So loads to spend. They've got uh, Christophe Galtier, the manager who won the title with um, Lille last season. They, they stole him in the summer. So they've obviously made them big promises. This is their second signing of the summer after Jean-Claire Todibo, the young French centre-back slash defensive midfielder they brought in from Barca. So, um, yeah, it makes it makes perfect sense to bring in another good ball winner in midfield. Uh, when you see how Lille played last year, you'd imagine that... Um, You'd imagine that Lamina could have fit quite nicely into that Lille team. So I think he'll fit quite nicely into how Nice are getting ready to play this year. That's it then. That is the show for today. A uh, bit hit and miss, I think. bit hit and miss today. But we'll be back tomorrow. We'll do better tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.
Social Podcast Network.